Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church Podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. Welcome to Redeemer Online. If it's your first time with us, my name is Jeff Martin. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's an exciting day. For uh, the first time, we're actually trying to regather. So while this is happening, people are also showing up to church to worship in person, and we're slowly but surely rolling things out to try to get back to a a new normal sooner than later. But we're going to keep Redeemer Online going um, for the foreseeable future to make sure that we're providing the the best experience for both those who are showing up in person and those who still um, that feel more comfortable worshiping at home. So I'm so glad you're with us. Before we jump in, I do want to talk about um, one thing, and that's our kids. Um, when we're online, it's, it's really easy for parents to engage. And a lot of times, you know, if, if you miss the sermon, you can listen to it on your drive to work or while you're working out. And But a lot of the kids' stuff that's happening here, um, we don't want them to be left behind. We want to make sure that we're still going after our children. And so for elementary school kids, we've got two awesome things. One is every Thursday we release Kids Club. And Kids Club is an online children's ministry thing, and we put it on Facebook Live. And and my family, we actually save it until Sunday, so we listen to the songs. Then when me and Lucy, my wife, listen to the sermon, we put that on for the kids in another room. So there's, there's Kids Club, and then also, we're getting ready to have a virtual vacation Bible school. First time ever. And we're so excited to provide something for our kids to grow closer to Jesus. Then if you have students, whether that's elementary school, middle school, or high school, um, every Friday, Jeff Smythe, our family life pastor, and Blake Sanders, our student pastor, they're putting it together. They put out this awesome resource that's just a short video with great questions to help you have spiritual conversations at home. So I hope if you're a parent that you're taking advantage of those things to make sure that your kids are still growing closer to Jesus. All right, but let me pray for us and we'll get started. God, thank you for this time that we get to wrestle with hard questions. I ask that your presence would be felt and that, God, that you'd meet us where we are spiritually and that you'd give us a greater confidence that you are who you say you are and that we would feel closer to you as a result of of wrestling with tough things. God, it's your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we kicked off a brand new series called Head On. And Head On is where we are tackling the questions that people are asking. And so if you go down to the streets and try to engage someone with, about Jesus and Christianity, these are questions that people have, and these are things that can sometimes even be framed as objections to our faith. And so we just want to meet those questions and wrestle with those questions. And so if you are a Christian um, or if you are not, whether you're a skeptic, a doubter, a critic, or somewhere in between, we believe that these are good things to work through, um, and we hope it's beneficial for you. Last week, we talked about racism. It was so timely, especially with everything that's happening right now. And I just want to say two two quick things about that. One is, is I realized that I said too much for some. I said not enough for others. And there are probably some things I could have said better. And 
I don't want to miss the bigger picture that, that right now there are people in our country, there, there are black brothers and sisters in Christ and, and there are humans that are hurting. And so we want to show empathy. We want to have a posture of empathy through listening and learning and lamenting their pain, but also we want to link arms and run after justice. Okay, so let, let's not miss the point. Let's extend grace to each other. Realize we're all in different parts of this journey, but as Christians, as those who love God, we want to do justice. We want to love kindness. We want to walk humbly with our God. Okay, uh, the second thing is, I just want to say this. That was not a checkbox sermon. That wasn't stuff's going bad in our culture, and so we preached on it, and now we can just move on with the series. No, that, that was not a one-off deal. This has to be, right, when we see injustice in the world, our response has to be kingdom down, not culture up. Because if we allow culture to kind of push this thing forward, if it's culture up, not kingdom down, I promise you, historically we have seen this, we know this, if this is a cultural thing, we will just find ourselves under some other form of demonic oppression. It'll look different, but it'll still be oppression. But if it's kingdom down, if it's God bringing heaven to earth through through the church being his hands, his feet, and his mouthpiece, then we have true hope for biblical justice. And the truth is, is look, the journey to justice in human flourishing, it needs the resources that only the kingdom of God can provide. Okay, so this is not a checkbox sermon. This is something we're going to continue to run after because the journey to justice and human flourishing needs resources that only the kingdom of God can provide. All right, with that being said, what's today's question? What's the head-on question we're tackling this morning? It's, it's simply this. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we removed religions like Christianity? Would the world be better if we just took religions out? Would the world be better if Christianity was not a part of it? You know, there used to be a day um, where people basically believed, well, hey, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. Let's just not talk about it and we're fine. You have your beliefs, I have mine. Let's just get along. But that sentiment is fading. Now people aren't okay with you holding to certain belief systems because they they think they're dangerous. They've had bad experiences and they're saying like, look, it's not okay for you to believe that because if you believe that, that means that you're not going to be a good person. And so there is a growing number of people who, who have had negative experiences with Christianity. And when they, when they are engaged about Christ or about um, Jesus, they have, they have these, these bad negative feelings. They think that, okay, Christians are, um, they're oppressive to women. Or Christians, those people, they're, they're hateful towards the LBGTQ community or they're anti-progression. They, they just want to they want to stay barbaric. They're not for progressing. They've caused more conflict than good when you look at history. And these are true. Like I said, these are street level things. When people hear Christianity, those are thoughts they have. Right. And so we'll, if we're oppressive and hateful and only against things and we've caused more conflict than good, then maybe they have a point. Maybe the world would be better off. But is that the case? Is that the case? Would the world be better with us? Not in the picture. Okay, Matthew 5. Let me read to you from Matthew 5, um, verses 13 through 16. This is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, 
you, he's talking to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Look, we believe that when sin entered the world, it fractured humanity's relationship with God, and, and things began to spiral further and further and further away from God's intended design for human flourishing. Right? So things are spiraling away from God's design. But we also believe that our presence as his followers is meant to have a reversing effect on sin, that we should make the world a better place. And that's what he means when he says we're salt and light. Think about salt. Salt tastes good. If I fix eggs, I salt them up. If I fix chicken, season it with some salt. You know, like I like salt. Salt makes stuff taste better. And so there's something about our presence that should be flavorful to the world that we're in. Light is attractive. If you open the doors to your house in the middle of the night and there's a light on, moths and bugs and things, they're attracted to that light. Light is attractive. So yeah, we should be flavorful to the world. We should make it better. Um, we should be attractive. There so, should be something about the way that we live our lives that people are just attracted to. But a level deeper is salt was used as a preservative. So if you had meat and you didn't have a cooler, you'd pack salt on it to keep it from decaying. And so our presence should also have a, a preserving effect. We should prevent the moral decay of the world. So the world's not as bad as it possibly could be. And part of that, it should be because of the presence of Christians. Like our presence should keep the world from being as bad as it can be. Light, if it's in the middle of the night, let's say that it's, it's dark outside and, 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 and we we're like, I don't want darkness to get in here. Do we have to shut the blinds to keep darkness from coming in? No. Like, in fact, if it was light in this room and this window's open, light's going to push outside. Why? Because darkness is just the absence of light. When light is present, light wins. So not only should we prevent the moral decay of the world, we should slow its effects. We should also reverse it and push things back towards Jesus, back towards God. So that's what God intended our presence to be, to be flavorful, to be attractive, to be preserving, to, to push back darkness, right? And so has that happened, right? Has that happened? Has our presence made the world a better place? Have we been salt and light? If you just study history, is, is that the case? Well, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, about a keynote species, like a, a keynote species. Um, but a keynote species in California, when you think about the, the ecosystem of the ocean, is the sea otter. When you see a sea otter, it's super cute and cuddly looking. I mean, moms put babies on their bellies and backstroke. They hold hands when they take naps. Well, like, they hold hands, but they, as cuddly and cute as they look, when those things go below the water, they're getting stuff done. So much so that they would say that the whole ocean ecosystem in California is dependent on the work they do. Um, you see, they found this out the hard way. In 1920, sea otters were basically hunted to, to near extinction. 
okay? And then what happened is underneath the water, there are these forests of sea kale, and that's what all of ocean life feeds off of. You know, from the smallest part of the food chain to the biggest part of the food chain, it's dependent on a flourishing um, forest of sea kale. Well, when the otters disappeared, that sea kale died off. And so it wasn't until the 1970s when they realized this, they reintroduced the sea otter to the oceans in California. And what happened is there was a sea urchin that would eat the kale and damage it and destroy it. And the only predator that could eat the sea urchin is the old otter. And so the otter is a keynote species. Its presence allows everything else to flourish. If it's present, things go good. Um, if it's not present, things go bad. And so the question we need to ask is, okay, well, is Christianity a, a keynote species to human society? Are Christians a keynote species to society? Do, do societies fundamentally improve when Christians are present? All right. Here's what's cool. The verifiable evidence is in our favor. All right? The, the verifiable evidence in our favor is absolutely crazy. Yes, I want to give you four examples of, of the evidence. Like I said, this is stuff we can go back and test how Christians have been a keto species to society. Uh, one, universities. All right? Universities. If you think about the, the university system, I, I went to Texas Tech. Some people go to UT. Some people go to ETSU. Others go to other colleges. Like, you, I don't know where, do you, I don't know where, where if you went to college, but if you went to a university, all right, it's because of Christians. Let me explain. Um, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. All right, sat, sit. The truth shall set you free. All right, now what happened is after Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, his followers believed that statement. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so what happened is these followers of Christ um, created monastery schools. All right, all right. Um, wait, is that the... Let me make sure that's the right, the right term here. Um, yeah, monastic. Sorry, monastic schools. They started monastic schools to teach people the truth of Jesus. Well, those, those monastic schools over time become, became cathedral schools, right? And so there were cathedral schools. And then um, the cathedral schools eventually became these overtly Christian universities like Oxford, okay? And so what happened is there are these Christian-founded Universities, universities that were founded by Christians who wanted people to know Jesus, to know God's word. These are universities like Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, Princeton. And these universities, they trained up people. So, so the kind of the, the fruit um, of, of this, if, that, if they're the seed that was planted, the root cause of this, were these universities training people up. The people they trained up, the fruit of their, of their training was that they initiated advances in social literacy. They initiated advances in public ed education, modern medicine, and even the abolition of slavery in the West. And so it's like, man, because these people were trained up in the ways of Christ from these Christian-founded universities, they left those schools and they initiated earth, world-shaping initiatives. You're like, man, if you, if you know how to read, right? Like, like, man, literacy can be thanked to Christians. If you, if you know, like, man, like I, I benefited from modern medicine. That's in part because of Christian-founded universities, okay? Um, 
And so after the universities, though, um, we see that not only did was Christianity fundamental in creating like the university system we know today, it's also crucial to hospitals. This is not true in Johnson City because we've got Ballad Health and Franklin Woods, right? But if you go to other cities, you'll notice that a lot of hospitals have Christian denomination names to them. It's like, all right, Baptist Hospital, Methodist Hospital, Catholic Hospital. And, and what they found is that that's not by coincidence. You see, if you go back and look at the top 10 hospitals in North America today, top 10 hospitals in North America today, nine of the 10 were founded by Christians, okay? Nine of the 10. The, the other one, like the non-Christian one is a Jewish hospital, but guess what? The people who founded it were trained at Christian-founded universities. So, I mean, Christianity had a huge influence on the hospital systems. And if, if nine of the 10 are Christian hospitals, right, Christian influence or Christian-founded, it doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus, if you're having a heart attack or need some crazy major surgery, you probably want to be at one of these hospitals. But if Christians who were motivated by Jesus's teaching to care for the poor didn't start these hospitals, the best hospitals in our country would not exist as we know them today. So we can thank Christians for, for the best hospitals we have. What about science? I don't know if you've ever heard that religion and science are incompatible. That's a lie. Okay, um, during the, the scientific revolution, the scientist who ushered us into the modern world wrote about Jesus with passion, right? Scientists who unlocked the mysteries of the world, who ushered us into to like the modern way that we experience things, those guys, like every inventor, every scientist afterwards has built on these dudes' work, they wrote about Jesus with passion, passion like um, a musician writing a love song, okay? These are guys like Isaac Newton. These are guys like Blaise Pascal or Johannes Kepler. And, and they were all devout followers of Jesus. So much so that Isaac Newton, he, he wrote a physics book. And it not, he also wrote books about Jesus. But in his literature on physics, he says this. Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists ever, writes writes this, the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and domain of an intelligent and powerful being. He is called Lord God. Right? So we're talking about, like, Isaac Newton didn't hand out calculus homework. He invented it. Right? Like, these guys. So, so here's the thing. If these guys some of the best scientists ever, if these guys were right about planetary physics and calculus, could they also be right about eternal life and how it's only found in Jesus? It's worth considering. All right, so we've got universities, hospitals, science, women's rights. Do you know that the countries with the best women's rights are all countries where the population is predominantly Christian? And the places with the worst women's rights are countries where Christianity has either been outlawed or where it's where it's punished. That's great. Like so, I think about my daughters, um, like Bentley and Ruthie. I want them to grow up in societies that are influenced by Christians, because statistically, they're going to have better education. They're going to have more rights. They're going to have better equality. 
right? Like, like, so that's this notion that Christianity oppresses women just isn't true when you look at what Christianity has done for women throughout the world. You see, here's what we get is, is that whether you like Jesus, whether you like his followers, whether you believe his spiritual claims or not, his movement is among the most powerful movements for social good in all human history. Like whether you like Jesus or not, whether you like his followers or not, whether you believe his claims to deity or not, his movement is among the greatest movements for social good in all human history. Back in 2008, um, went to Wendy's and dominated their value menu. I think I got some nuggets of, of like a junior burger and a frosty and some other things. And that night I got food poisoning and I puked my guts out, like the valves of my stomach. It was not good. And from that day, I've struggled to eat Wendy's. So whenever I take a road trip and we pass by, you know, the fast food sign on the side of the highway, if there's a Wendy's, I never think like, I really could go for that right now. Chick-fil-A, sign me up. But Wendy's, I just don't crave it. Don't want to go there because I had a food poisoning experience. I had a bad experience with Wendy's. Now, I say that because maybe you've had a food poisoning type experience with Christians. You know, I, you know if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, I just don't, I'm not about Christianity, but I'm here and I'm hanging out. Like, look, maybe you had a food poisoning type experience with Christians. And if you have, I just want to tell you this. I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry that, that, that you've been hurt, or that you've seen people acting in non-Christ-like ways. I, mean, I, think, I think it was Gandhi that said, I like your Christ, but I don't like, your, I don't like Christians. That butchered that quote. Google it. Snoops it. I don't know. Either way, like, like maybe you had a bad experience. And I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you've been hurt or if people have acted in a non-Christ-like way. But, but here's the deal. Um, one, Jesus anticipated that that would be true of every generation. He's like, in every generation, he said there are going to be people who falsely claim to follow him. People who claim his name but don't live like it. And so this shouldn't catch us by surprise. But, but the truth is, is, is I still eat fast food. I avoid Wendy's, but I don't avoid all fast food. And so if you've had a bad experience, I want to encourage you, hey, avoid Christians who act hateful and who act out of self-interest. But please know that that's a small percentage of who we are. There are millions of Jesus followers who long for you to know God's love and grace. There are millions of followers of Christ who want to be a part of making this world better, who want to see things on earth look like they are in heaven. Okay, so, so look, if you're a skeptic, I want to invite you to explore Jesus. So for anything else, look at the, the greatest scientists of the scientific revolution and just ask yourself, like, okay, if these guys are right about planetary physics and calculus, could they be right about eternity and how it's only found in Christ? At, at a bare minimum, I think their clout should, should invite you to say, like, I'll at least explore this a little bit harder than I have. But also know you don't have to have it all figured out to enter into a, a relationship with God today. If you would confess that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe that God rose him from the grave, you can enter into an eternal life, an eternal right relationship with God today. I'd love for you to take that step. And if you're not ready to take that step, someone on our leadership team or someone at our church would love to walk with you through this season of life towards that. Just fill out our connect card, our online connect card. Shoot us an email to info at redeemercommunity.com and we will respond to you as soon as possible. But if you're a Christian and you're hearing this, like one, just kind of know that, hey, there are some black eyes to Christianity and history and, and we, we have to accept those licks and say like, that's not what we that's not what true followers of Christ do, but they happen and we're sorry. But let's take that and say, but hey, from here on out, Let's live lives that are worth following. Let's, let's be a people who live lives that are worth following. Because our, our greatest defense to our faith, our greatest apologetic is not going to be well-polished answer to hard questions. It's going to be our love. Our love for each other, our love for our neighbor, our love for the world that God has so graciously invited us into. All right? So let's live lives worth, worth watching. Uh, here in a little bit, I want to invite those who are following Christ, who believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is the only way to a right relationship with God. I want to invite you to take the Lord's Supper. And, and the Lord's Supper is a sacred meal that Christians take to remember that, that Jesus' body was given for us. So as we, as we take the bread, remember that Jesus gave himself for our sins. And we also take the cup, and as we drink the cup, remember that his blood was spilt to seal a new covenant relationship with God where his love towards us is not through anything that we can do, but through what Jesus has done. And we, we want to remember the good news that we are forgiven and we are set free and we are right with God. That's good news to remember every day. And we want to tangibly remember that through some physical elements this morning. Um, but here's what I want you to do today. I want you to remember that not only has Jesus redeemed you and reconciled you, um, but he is with you and he wants his life to be lived in and through you into the world. So, so let's ask God for the strength to live like Christ this week. Um, let me pray for us. Then here uh, we're going to be led forward and then you'll have an opportunity to take communion. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, I understand the sentiment of those who have been hurt, that maybe the world would be better without Christians in it. But God, we, we've just seen verifiable evidence that when Christians are truly living out their calling to be salt and light, that, that we do make the world a better place. So God, forgive us where we have been lazy, but God, empower us today to continue pushing that forward on your behalf to make the world more like heaven. Where you, where you have called us to be. It's your whole name we pray. Amen. Hey, hope to see you guys next week as we tackle the next hard question head on. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.